All right, turn to somebody next to you and say, it's good to see you in church finally. Amen. Amen. That was really funny to somebody. Amen. <laughs> good morning. All right, we ready? We excited for the word? I'm, I'm excited to bring this to you. This could, um, I think anytime somebody shares the word, it could change your life. Amen? I truly believe it even more today that this could change your life if you get a hold of even a little bit that God has for us this morning. So let's start with a quote this morning. It's about the greatness of God, not the significance of man. God made man small and the universe big to say something about himself. God made man small and the universe big to say something about himself. Amen? If you're just joining us, we started last week the More series. More. Say more. 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 Amen. Amen. We started the More series. And, and I don't know about you, but I know there's a bunch of us in here. We're ready to believe God for things that are outside of our reach. No, no, come on. You got to get with me right from the start. We're going to believe God for things that are outside of our reach. And I want you to, don't get this twisted. I'm not saying, oh, that Ferrari is out of my reach, but I'm believing God. Can. No, 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 you know, oh, that, you know, that, that, that 19-bedroom house is, is out of my reach. No, no, no. I'm talking about, listen, listen, there are needs in this body that I can begin to meet, but I'm believing that God can. There's sickness in this body that I or the doctors might not even have a remedy for. But I'm believing that God does. There's assignments, dreams, and visions in this body that we don't have the opportunity or the resources to help with. But I'm ready to believe that God will. God can, God does, and God will. Somebody say amen. Listen, you might have failed at this before. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's a new season. It's a new season. Tell somebody it's a new season. Listen, watch this. If you're taking notes, this is the first thing I want you to write down. Don't let your past pose as your present. Oh, that's so good. If you're not taking notes, write it in your friend's notes. Don't let your past pose as your present. Let me give you a little more culturally relevant for you guys. Don't let your old selfies <laughs> Don't let your old selfies be your present reality. Santa is good. Come on in. We're in spiritual boot camp season. I believe God is training us to understand and believe that God's got more. Come on. I want us to step out more in faith, to release more in trust. I want us to grow more, to believe more, to achieve more, to walk it out more. I, we need to reach more. We need to, I want to hear about more God sightings. I want to hear about more experiences with God. I want, us, I want to see a people with more expectancy. And more importantly, above all else, I want to see a people that love more. That love more. Come on. Here's a side note. Love is not something you feel. Love is something you do. Ay, ay, ay. Love is not something. See, if you can fall in love, then you can fall out of love. Let's, uh, let's stop making this so romantic. Love is not something you feel. Love is something you do. Amen. You could be married 25 years because you choose to love that person. Come on. All right, that'll sink in later. Since I told you last week that every title for the rest of the year is going to have the word more in it, I have been overwhelmed with seeing that word everywhere. You know when you're thinking about like buying a car? And you see that one car everywhere. It's like everybody's driving that car, right? You, you, when it just gets multiplied, right? And so I've been seeing that word more everywhere. I get, I, I get, I got a, Monday morning, I'm sitting at the computer. I get an email from Chase. The, the subject, more access. I said, praise God, that'll preach. More access. I get a pop-up that says, experience more. 
that's sermon number three. That'll preach. Experience more. I was looking at my podcast everywhere. I come across a message, life and more life. And just everywhere, everywhere, the word more. I thought it was going to be a challenge coming up with titles with the word more in it. But God showed me even in this, God's got more. Even in this, amen. <clears throat> Ultimately, I didn't go with any of those this week because Boca Chica sent me a song. He said, remember that guy, Danny Goki, who was on American Idol? How many, you guys remember him? He was a worship leader. Well, he just dropped a CD. And so Burr says, check out the title of this song. And he sends it to me. Before I even listen to it, the title, we were just listening to it, is More Than You Think I Am. More Than You Think I Am. And I knew, man, right there, I didn't even listen to it yet. More than you think, I, I believe with all of my heart, God wants us to know today, I'm more than you think I am. Oh, that, that's such a, that's a message all by itself. God wants you to know I'm more than you think I am. Whatever, if you've had some bad thoughts about God, I'm going to help you get some good ones. If you've had some good thoughts about God, if you think, I'm going I'm, I'm to let you know that's not, they're not even good enough. God, you're not even thinking good enough yet. God said, I'm more than, listen, if you're worried about things, if you've been overwhelmed with situations, if you've been living in fear, you need to hear this today from your father. I'm more than you think I am. That situation might look bad. That issue might be overwhelming. That problem might seem too big for you. But God wants you to know I'm more than you think I am. Come on. So I want to talk to you for a couple of moments this morning about the moreness of God. I made that word up. <laughs> the English teacher's looking at me crooked. The moreness. I don't know if you put it, spell it with a high, with a apostrophe or if you just put it together. I don't know. Put it in your notes. The moreness of God, all throughout scriptures and even right here in this room, we have countless examples of times when we expected God to be one way, we expected God to respond a certain way, and God shows us he's more than we think I am. Can I share a couple of stories with you? Amen? If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8. Crazy story. John chapter 8. Let me set it up for you. Jesus was teaching at the temple. And the religious scholars and the Pharisees, they bring this woman to him who was caught in the act of adultery. Some of you might not know what that means. That means when you're married and you're sleeping with somebody else. Uh-oh. So this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the word says they stood her in plain sight in front of everybody. Let's think about that for a moment. She was caught in the act of adultery. I don't want to put too many pictures in your head, but I want you to get a clear picture of what's happening here. They stood her in plain sight before everyone. This woman, Jesus was teaching at the temple. You know, at this point, wherever Jesus started speaking, crowds would gather. So there was a lot of people crowded around Jesus. And they, the, the Pharisees and the scholars, they bring this woman who was caught in the act of adultery and they stand her in plain sight amongst Jesus and this crowd. She was naked and afraid. <laughs> All right, fine. I guess you haven't seen that show. This woman stood there. She stood there. She was naked and afraid. She was ashamed. She's been caught. This woman stood there all Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Naked. Oh, now you're with me on that one, right? She's preparing herself for the worst. The Pharisees are just using her to try to trick Jesus into saying something so they could use against him. Let's get into the scriptures. Verse 5. Moses, in the, they, they bring her and they tell him, <laughs> Moses in the law gives orders to stone such persons. What do you say, Jesus? Jesus bent down and he started to write with his finger in the dirt. Picture this scene. This woman is naked. Everybody there is going, yo. <laughs> That's the first Kardashian. Look, naked. 
Everybody, and Jesus, no, Jesus starts, he just bends down. And I'm thinking, to me, I'm thinking she turn, he turns away from her. It doesn't say that. It just says he bent down and he starts writing in the dirt. So just picture the scene. And then it says that they kept Adam. They kept badgering him. They're like, what are you going to do? What do you say we do? What are we supposed to do about her? The Moses says that the law says we're supposed to stone her. Actually, so you know, the law says we're supposed to stone both of them. Where's the man? Notice how they didn't bring the man. If she was caught in the act, that means he was there. That means he's probably one of them right now. Because why didn't they bring him? He was caught in the act. Obviously, to be in the act, it takes two. It takes two to make a thing go right. Amen? So, so they, they only brought her. And so they kept badgering him. What are we going to do? What do you say? Because they knew if he said we should do this, then he, they could get him in trouble with the Romans. He says if he thinks we could do this, then they could get him in trouble saying he's standing against Moses or he's better or whatever. You know, they, it, was a, it was a trap. <coughs> so he straightened up again and he said, okay, let the sinless one among you throw the first stone. He said, yeah, you're right. So he's saying, in essence, the law says that she should be stoned. So he says, okay, let he who is without sin throw the first stone. And then he bent down again to write in the sand, to write in the dirt. And the word says, verse 9, hearing that, they walked away, one after another, beginning with the oldest. Then the woman was left alone. So beginning with the, they, they walked away one by one. He's like, all right, man, go ahead. You know, grab your, they probably had big rocks already. They were ready to stone her. They were ready. They were judged, meant, fool. How I many, you know, you know, you know Christians like this. They are ready. They are ready to just jump on you. They're ready to talk about you. They're ready to knock you down because you did something wrong. Even though they've done plenty wrong, they've probably done even the same thing that you've done that you got caught for. But you got caught. They didn't get caught. Right? So these, these Christians, boy, they got their rocks ready. They're ready to stone this chick. They're ready to, to take her out. He says, all right, man, yeah, you're right, you're right. Go ahead. Um, those of you that have no sin, you throw the first one. And he goes back and starts riding in the sand. And then one by one, they, they got convicted. Some, some people like to think that what he was riding in the sand were the names of the adulterers that were among them. Some people, like the word doesn't tell us, so we, we're not going to preach that, but I'm just telling what some scholars like to believe that he started writing in the sand the lists of all the sins that they've committed or the names or whatever it is he wrote in the sand, they turned away one by one and they left. And then Jesus stood up and spoke to the woman. He said, woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? Where are your condemners? Is there anyone left? And she says, no, not, not even one. And Jesus says the most amazing thing here. He says, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Think about how crazy this is. She was guilty. Yeah, it was a trap. Yeah, it was used to set, to set up Jesus. But she was guilty. She was caught in adultery. I mean, she was married and she's sleeping around. And she's caught and she's brought to the temple. That means it's going to get back to her husband. How many of you know? That means she's exposed. That means she's guilty. She has every right to, to deserve punishment. And the woman stood there and she watched the one who represented God. The one who was God, but she probably didn't know that at the time. But she, she was probably thinking, this rabbi, he's going he's gonna, gonna to be bad. This rabbi is going to make an example of me. This rabbi, he's going to, this teacher, I mean, he teaches God's law. He teaches the word of God. He, he knows the word of God. He's going to, it's going to be bad for me, she's probably thinking. And, and she watched as he refused to look at her nakedness. There's something beautiful about this. She watched as he refused to look at her nakedness. She looked, he looked down at the floor and, he, and, and she saw probably for the first time someone give her some value. She might have thought, this rabbi, you know, is going to be the harshest on me. He's going to stone me himself because, remember, Jesus is the one without sin. So he could have thrown the first stone. And then at the strangest of places and the weirdest of times, while she was caught, exposed, guilty, she receives grace. Come on, give God a hand right there. 
When she least expected it, God showed her grace. He gave her another chance. She was guilty. God was not giving her what she deserved. Jesus convicted the hearts and the motives of those that brought her there and then showed compassion and mercy for her. He was telling her, you are more valuable than what you've done. Somebody here needs to hear that today. You've been beating yourself up. You've been caught. You've been exposed, maybe. You've, there's been marriages broken up. There's been, you, you, you've been caught. Come on, some of us in here right now. And God wants you to know you're more valuable than what you've done. If you're writing notes, that's the second note you should write down. Some of us think God is looking for us to mess up. He's, he's looking to catch us. How many of you think you have that feeling God's always looking to catch me riding dirty all the time? Right? He's always looking to, to catch me. He's always looking to see where he can get us. But, but, but listen, listen to the, God gives us the totally opposite picture. Picture yourself caught in that thing that you do. That sin that besets you. And Jesus, being the sinless one who can throw the first stone, instead he shields her from the stone throwers. Oh, man. 2 Samuel 22 says, you have given me the shield of your salvation. Your help has made me great. Say amen. See, God says to her right there, I'm more than you think I am. You thought I was going to punish you. You thought, and, and understand, Jesus doesn't condone the sin. He doesn't accept it. He doesn't say, it's all right. You know, you did all right. Just, you know, everything's good, you know, like we do. He, he sees it. He understands it. He says, Who's here to condemn you? No one? Okay, then neither do I condemn you. Even though you're guilty, even though you're wrong, even though that sin is bad, even though you, you, you've done the wrong thing, then neither do I condemn you because I'm more than you think I am. The examples of this are everywhere in the Word. Let me give you another one really quick. John 11. You guys know this story. It's Mary and Martha. <coughs> they call for Jesus because Lazarus was sick. You know, many of you know the story. Jesus waits two days before he starts heading out. He gets the message. He says, Lazarus, the one you love is sick. Come. And he waits two more days before he starts heading out. By the time he gets there, when he finally gets to Lazarus, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus shows up when the mourners are there comforting Mary and Martha. Martha runs out and, and she gives them a little shadiness. She says, Jesus... If you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many of you know that's shade? She rolled her neck for sure. You know that, right? I mean, if you had been here, I'm just saying, she said, I'm just saying. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. And she says, yeah, yeah, I know, in the resurrection, da, 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 blah, 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 blah. And he says, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I'm more than you think I am. And so they go in towards the house where Mary is, and she comes to him, and she says the same thing. Jesus, if maybe she says it a little sweeter. Jesus, one less neck roll. Jesus, you know, if you had been here, maybe Papito would not have died. So in, in, in other words, you know, she, she, she's saying you're too late. How many of us, how many times have we said that to God? God, if you had been here in this situation, this would not have happened. Some of us turn away from God because of bad situations. We say, well, if there is a God, he would not have allowed this to happen. If there, God, if you were listening to me, God, if you were listening to me, this would not have happened. God, I asked you to do this. I asked you to make this happen. If you were listening to me, this would not have happened. Anybody in this room? Guilty. Guilty. God, God's answers to our prayers show that he knows more than we think he does. How many of you are glad that God didn't answer a prayer the way you asked it? I know in the moment we never feel that way. In the moment we say, God, you're late. God, you ain't even showing up. Obviously, God, you don't listen to me. Obviously, you don't love me. Obviously, you can't hear me. Obviously, I don't matter. How many of you went on a pity trip like that all the time? Obviously, obviously I'm not important to you. Obviously, right? We talk to him like we talk to your ex-husband. Obviously, 
Obviously, the family's not important to you. Obviously, nobody here matters. Obviously, you're more important than us. Obviously, we, we, we give God the whole shade thing, right? Jesus says, I'm more than you think I am. He says, where have they laid him? Oh, man. We know what's going to happen, but they just probably saw he wants to go and pay respects. But he says, where have they laid him? And you know the story. He goes, they say, he says, move the rock. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out all wrapped up in the cloth, in the cloth. But he's alive. He's alive. They told him, but God, but God, he's been there four days. He probably stinks in there. He's probably rotting. He's going to come out walking dead status. He says, move the rock. Come forth. Amen. Listen, you might have had some dreams die. Hear me, hear me. You might have some visions that never came to pass. Some of you sitting here, you've been blaming people. You've been blaming God. If you would have been here, this would never have happened. My dream would never have died. Some of you think God is late. You might think that can't happen now. That will never come to pass. Uh Uh-oh. God says to you today, I'm more than you think I am. I'm more than you think I am. Let's say a quick prayer. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, awake dead dreams right now in Jesus' name. Awake unused talents, untapped resources, come forth. Potential be released. Greatness come forth in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that it's not too late. We thank you that you're doing something in this season, in this time, Father. And we thank you that we can believe today that you're more than we think you are in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Family, we've put limits on God. We've put limits on God as if he was too small or as if something was beyond his reach. Somebody say amen. You want to see the moreness of God? Let me, let's, let's go to another story. Luke 23. Luke 23. This is towards the end of, of the Gospels. Jesus is crucified now on a cross. And one of the criminals who hung there, it says in verse 39, Luke 23, 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. He was joining what the Romans were doing. The Romans were doing this all along. They said, oh, he's the king of kings. Look at him. He's the the Lord of lords. Look, if you're Jesus, why don't you come off that cross? They were were mocking him, making jokes. Come on, if you're really God, then save yourself and save everybody else here. If you're there, and they're mocking him, and it turns out there's two criminals on the crosses next to him. And, And one of them joins them, and he says, aren't you the Christ? Then save yourself and save us. Verse 40. It says, but the other criminal rebuked him. The other criminal says, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he says this. He says, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. You ready for the morningness of God? Wait for it. Jesus answered him. I tell you the truth. Today... You will be with me in paradise. How scandalous that, uh, how crazy is grace that grace would accept a deathbed confession. A deathbed confession. How many of us stand in judgment all the time? We say, come on, man. That guy going to live any way he wants. And on his last second, he's going to accept God and God's going to receive him. Give me a break. Right? How many, come on, man, we've made this judgment. We're at funerals and we make these judgments. We're like, well, he's not with the Lord. I know that. <laughs> I know how this brother lived. I know this sister had five husbands. This, you know, we, we make our judgment. No way she's in the kingdom. But here is this man. I, I need you to understand this criminal. For Rome to crucify someone 
It means Rome, the Romans would rather make somebody a slave and make them work for them than crucify them because if you crucify them, you lose them. That's it. You got no help. So it was better to, to make them a slave and use them as slave labor. It was better for the Romans to have slave labor. If they're crucifying them, that means they're saying this guy is no good. This guy is so bad. He's so unpredictable. He's so uncontrollable. This guy has murdered so many people. Every chance he gets, he'll break somebody's neck and he'll escape. This guy is so bad that we'd rather kill him than, than, than use him as slave labor. So, so Roman, if it meant, it, it meant that you were, if you were being crucified in that time, it meant that you were of no use, that you were no good. And here is this man that Rome says, I'd rather see you dead than find any use for you. And here on the cross, the worst of the worst has an encounter with Jesus. You need to understand this. He acknowledges his sin, and, and, and we can say, well, he didn't say the sinner's prayer. Well, he didn't, you know, because we have all this religion in our heads. Well, he didn't say, you know, Father, come into my heart, Jesus. We have all this, you know, like that little prayer is going to change your life if you don't even mean it. What he says was he acknowledged that he deserves punishment for his sins, and he acknowledged that Jesus is God. And I mean, you know, that's the only two requirements for salvation. We got it twisted with religion. We know you got to be baptized. You got to speak in tongues. You got to do three years of Bible study. You got to serve as an usher. You got to before you can get saved. This man never, he will never have the chance to pay back everything that he's stolen from people. This man would never have a chance to go back into the world and make good on all the bad that he's done. This man will never have a chance to pay back the debt that he's incurred. And Jesus says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. <coughs> we got to uh, like understand that for even, like, why would Jesus even talk to this guy? Think about it. Put yourself in this situation. This guy is saying, hey, save yourself. He's mocking him. He's joining those that have been making fun of him, that have been pulling out his beard. Those that put a crown on his head of thorns to pierce his skull, just to mock him. He said, oh, you're the king? Well, here's your crown. And they put a crown of thorns that pierced his, his, his skin. And, and so they're all just, and so you think, why would Jesus, he, why would he even listen to this man? Now understand, for him to speak in his condition, that means he would have to press on the nails that are in his feet. And he would have to pull on the nails that are in his arms. To raise up, to be able to take a breath, to be able to speak. So understand the effort that it would take, even in the physical, for him to speak. To, for him to even acknowledge this good for nothing, no good, sinner, dirty, criminal. He, and, and yet he, pull, he pushes down, he lifts up, he takes a breath, and he says, Today you will be with me in paradise. He, this man didn't expect that, I don't think. I don't think he did that because he thought he had a chance. You and I would be slick like that. But I don't think at that point they had the understanding. They didn't have the scriptures that we, we have. They didn't have the understanding. I don't think he expected anything. He was just making a He said, Jesus, just remember me. Just remember me. I know I'm a bad guy. I know I'm getting what I deserve. I know this is what I deserve. I've done bad things. I've hurt people. I've stolen. I've killed. I've taken people's lives. I understand this is, I'm no good. Just remember me. He didn't expect that. And Jesus said, he pushed up and he said, I, I'm more than you think I am. I'm more than you think I am. Family, we might have some serious issues with this extreme kind of grace. That criminal had no right to enter the kingdom of heaven. He got in by the skin of his teeth. A lot of us could say he doesn't even deserve to be there. He was a bad man. But he gets to leave this place and turn up in paradise where he'll spend eternity with God. And you know why? Here's the note you need to write down. Eternal life isn't a reward for good people. It's God's gift for forgiven people. 
The next time somebody tells you they've done too much, it's too late for them, they're too far from God, they've gone too far, remind them of the criminal on the cross. Amen? Can I give you one more story before we're done? This last story is my own. And I'm sharing this because it comes up so many times, and I hear this from so many people. And that because somewhere in our minds we have this notion that we have to clean ourselves up before we can come to God. Anybody ever gave you that excuse for not coming to church when you invited them? Yeah, I'll come to church. Yeah, I know I need to come to church, but I need to get my act together. You know, I need to, there's some things I got to work out first. And I hear this again and again, you know. I, I, we, have to, we, we have to make ourselves presentable before God. You know, we, we tell people, no, I know, I know I have to get back to church, but there's some things I got to do first. I got to work some things out. And listen, that might sound good and that might sound humble. That might even sound mature to some of you. But let me tell you, it's actually the most arrogant, self-centered thing that you could ever say. It's arrogant because it means that you think you could actually make yourself presentable to God. It's arrogant because it means that you think that somehow you could get everything cleaned up enough to have a relationship with God. It's self-centered because it, it means that you think you can get things in order in your own strength. Church family, it will never happen. And so that's why if you need to tell people, listen, if you're a hot mess, be a hot mess where, where people can help you out. Come on. If you're broken, come broken. If you're pissed off, come pissed off. If you're angry at God, come angry at God. If you have doubts, come doubting. Come on. If you're hurt, come hurt. Come with your doubt. Come with your questions. Come with your anger. You want to shake your fist at God? Come to church where he's at. Shake it. Amen. Romans 5a says, God showed his great love for us by this, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The word says, while we were yet sinners, God died for the ungodly. Listen, I remember clearly the Friday night when God snatched me out of the fire. Oh. I love telling this story. And I'm only telling it again because I'm hearing this again and again and again. And so I want to deal with it again and again and again until we get it. I remember the Friday night when God snatched me out of the fire of Santeria and Espiritismo. I had been involved for over a year and I had already been baptized into it. I was a spirit medium. If you don't know what that is, don't even bother looking it up. It doesn't matter. I'm here now. <laughs> Amen? If you know what that is, then you know it's serious. I lived in constant fear. I was afraid all the time. It's a fear-based cult. It's a fear-based religion. I'm offending some of you because some of you still dabble. Be offended today. God says, I'm more than you think I am. So I had already been baptized, and, and I was approaching the next level of wickedness. I was, you know, it's a, it's a leveling thing where you, where you go in levels, and you get, you get promoted, the next level of promotion. And God snatched me out one Friday evening. Watch this picture. God spoke to me while I was all dressed in white. He spoke to me with all of the beads around my neck. For Santa Barbara, Yemayai, and, and, and all of those. I had them on my neck. I was dressed in white. I was dressed for battle. And God grabbed me and spoke to me. Listen, listen. While I was on the way to serve the wickedness that I was serving, while I was wearing the beads, while I was wearing the amulet, while I was wearing the colors, God snatched me up. While I was dressed for him, God spoke to me for him. Do, do you understand? While I was the criminal on the cross with nothing good, God spoke to me. 
I was lost. I was dressed for battle thinking I was doing good, but instead I was partnering with demons. Why? Because, see, the word says that we can't talk to dead people. Come on, get this, my Hispanics, my Haitians, my Africans. You got to get this. I don't care what your family tradition is. The word says that we can't talk to dead people. So I hate to burst your bubble, but Welita's not with you anymore. And, and I have to be harsh with you like that because if you think that your grandmother and your mother that passed, I know it's a beautiful sentiment. She's still with me. She's watching over me. She's the one that tells me, no. Imagine the torment for her if that were possible. Imagine the torment if, if mom was still with you, the mom that passed or the grandma that passed. Imagine the hurt in her heart when she sees you make mistake after mistake after mistake. Imagine the torment that would be for her. You wouldn't want that for the person that you loved. Jesus said when we leave here, there's no more connection like that. There's no more tears. He'll, he'll wipe the tear, every tear from your eye. To, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. If you're present with the Lord, I'm not following somebody around, watching them make mistakes, watching them break my heart again and again and again. So I'm sorry if this is harsh. I'm so, it's like telling kids there's no Santa or something. Not that I'm saying that if there's kids here. That's not my business to tell you that. Not my business to tell you that. I'm just saying. Maybe he lives in your part of the Bronx. I, I, not my business. Talk to your parents. But this, this I'll tell you about. This is what the word says. Amen? So, so Santeria is based on speaking to saints. And so if I can't speak to dead people, I'm not speaking to saints. Because they're dead. Right? And so what happens then if I start lighting candles to saints? If I start communicating with saints, who's going to step in and talk to me? Who's talking to you? The enemy of your soul will step in dressed like your grandmother. And she'll say, yeah, papito, I'm here with you. I got you. Just do this. and Just do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. The enemy of your soul will follow you around. And he'll be anything you want him to be. So he can get what he needs to get from you. You can't talk to dead people. So I'm sharing this because I'm hearing more and more of this come up in the church. Because listen, I understand some of you are new to church. Some of you, you're growing in the Lord. You're excited, but you have this background. And you think it's, it's all good because it's all God. I want to let you know it's not God. I want to let you know it's not God. Amen? You can't say, so listen, there's, there's still stuff in your life, and you, you can't have this and have that. You can't have this and hold on to that. God says, I'm a jealous God. And he makes it clear, you can't get to, to God through someone else. Are you with me? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one. You know what that means in the Greek? Do I have to tell you? No one. Nadie. Zilch. Nadia, nobody, no one comes to the Father except through me. You can try to get in another way, but the word says you'll be a thief and a robber. So God snatched me right from the enemy's hands while I was wearing his uniform. I love the picture of that. God snatched me while I was wearing the enemy's colors. God recruited me for his team while I had on the other team's jersey. I love the picture of that. I love the moreness of God. I love God recruited me for his gang while I had the other gang's colors on. He stepped in the other gang's turf wearing, his, wearing the other gang's colors. And he said, I'm not afraid of nothing. And, and, and I'm set you apart and I'm going to pull you out of here. And he said, you, you can't wear red in a blue zone. God said, I made blue, I made red, I made orange, I made every color. It's all under me. Amen? And so, see, I thought I had God figured out, church. I thought I was doing good. I was praying to Santa Barbara. I was lighting candles. I was doing consultations. I thought I was helping people. I thought that was part of my Spanish heritage, my Spanish culture and tradition. 
to, 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 to practice this and to help. I thought I was helping people by dabbling in the occult. But listen to me, you cannot fight witchcraft with witchcraft. You can't protect yourself against witchcraft with more witchcraft. That blows my mind how you guys wear these little things and you say, well, this is to protect me from evil spirits. But this is an evil spirit. So I'm wearing an evil spirit to protect me from evil spirits. That's like trying to dry yourself with a wet towel while still in the shower. Only the power of God can protect you. Come on. Only the cross. Worship team, come on, come on. So one day, <coughs> listen, listen. So one day God used this little Pentecostal lady. She's about this big. I make fun of my little Pentecostals, but they're powerful. Amen. I'm talking with the buns and the hairy legs. They love them some Jesus. And God uses them, man, mightily. Amen? God used her to speak into my life. And listen, that night, he, she, he grabbed me. And, and, and this little ladies, they brought me down back into the house. I was ready to leave. I was fighting with my girlfriend, my wife now. I was fighting with her because I was going to the center to do what I do. It was a Friday night. That's where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be at Prospect Avenue in the Bronx in a, in a, in a little temple. I, working as a medium. And I had my white gear on, and I had my koyales on, and I had my bandana in my pocket, and I had everything blessed and amulet, and I'm ready to go. And I was preparing myself, gearing myself up to do the work that I was going to do that night because, because it, was, it was hard. And there was a lot of fear involved. And I was ready to go, and this little Spanish ladies come from an all-night vigilia. They had been praying for two days. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, those guys, they'll tell you what you ate for breakfast that morning. They, whoa. So she grabbed me and she brings me into the house. She said, don't go. Come down here. I got to talk to you. And that day God used her to speak into my life. And he told me, I've given you these gifts, but not for this. He told me, I've called you to help people, but not like this. God told me, I've covered you and I've protected you for so long to see you living in so much fear. And I remember this like it was yesterday. He told me that the enemy had set a trap for me that night and that tonight my life was going to be taken from me. And God said, no. Because God is my shield and my strength. He's my glory and the lifter of my head. That night he told me, I've called you for more. He told me, I can do exceedingly, abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. In essence, what he told me that night was, I'm more than you think I am. He set me free that night and I was never afraid again. I destroyed my altar. I threw out my beads. I got rid of the white Le Tigre and white leaves. And I remember people telling me, you can't just walk away from that. When you heard that. You can't just walk away from that. You've been baptized into that. You made a deal. That's serious. They'll come after you. <laughs> Listen, because somebody's going to get free this afternoon. You might have made some deals here and there, church. Listen to me, family. Stop fronting. Just because you're sitting here in church, you have nothing to do with this. If it's for somebody else, then let it be for somebody else. Amen. Just, just pray. Pray with me as we, as we finish this. But if it's for you, don't look around. Take it. God wants to set you free today. You might have made some deals here and there. You might have done some things that in your head you think God has separated you from God. You might think you can never be as close again. You, you could never be in a relationship with God again. Please don't, don't look around. Don't get distracted. Focus with me for a minute. Some of you come to church because these are the only few hours that you can silence the torment that's in your spirit. And you say, if I could just sit there and have a little peace for a little while, then I could endure another week of torment. I want you to know that this peace could leave with you today. 
God is more than any deal that you ever made. Come on. Watch this, watch this. God is so big that you could spend years running and running away from him. You could spend years running and running away. And in one faithful step, you could be right there in the presence of God again. Years of running away. Years and one faithful step and you can be right back into the favor of God. Right back in the forgiveness of God. Right back in the presence of God. Right back in his acceptance. Right back in his mercy. Right back in his grace. Right back in his arms. God is bigger than you think I am. Church, God is bigger than your past. He's bigger than your depression. He's bigger than your pain. He's bigger than your hurt. Some of you need to get up and and make things right at the altar today. Some of you need to come on. Everybody just stand. Let's all just stand so we don't make it awkward for anybody. But some of you got to do some deal right now with Jesus. You need to wipe out and cancel some deals. God is bigger than your past. He's bigger than your depression. He's bigger than your pain. He's bigger than your hurt. He's bigger than your anger. He's bigger than your doubt. He's bigger than your fear. He's bigger than your shame. He's bigger than your eating disorder. He's bigger than any other order. He's bigger than your self-harm. He's bigger than your anxiety. He's bigger than your loneliness. He's bigger than your scars. He's bigger than you think he is. If you need to grab, get a hold of this piece, I want you to just join me real quick. Just come down. Real quick, just come down. I'm not going to have a prayer team stand here. I'm not going to have, no, you need to make a decision. We need to come down. Come on. Come on. He's bigger. He's bigger than the stuff you're wrestling with. He's bigger than the, the, than the decisions that have held you bound. He's bigger than your mistakes. He's bigger than the abuse that you've had to endure. Listen, for, I was serving in that for an entire year. And for an entire year, every time I laid my head to bed, I was tormented. And I couldn't sleep. And my bed would shake and things in my room would move. And I'd feel my leg getting pulled. I'd feel my arm getting pulled. I'd feel myself getting hit. I was tormented, tormented for an entire year. And once God grabbed me out of that, I slept like a baby from then on. I don't, I don't have to wake up scared anymore. I've never been scared of any of that ever again. People, and, I, and now the awesome thing is that God shows me people that are wrapped up in that. I see some people coming here and they start to worship and God shows me that's not worship to God right there. And so sometimes I'll slap you in the forehead if I have to. But sometimes just in prayer, I say, God, kill that and God will kill that. And I see that person change and I see the worship start to change. We can't add, we can't have God in anything else can't live in God and depend on anything else. I'm so, I'm so excited that you guys are up here, man. I'm so excited that you guys are up here because you, you're getting something today. You're understanding something today that God is bigger than you thought he was. You understand it today that there's nothing, there's nothing that you could have done. There's nothing that would disqualify you from from what God has for you. There's nothing that will set you apart from God when you decide to turn to God and and, and, and one faithful step, you're back in his arms and you're back in his presence. Wow. Wow. I'm feeling God, God's going to bump you guys up to another level of maturity. I'm not going to have anybody pray for you today. <laughs> There's maturity right here. I, I don't care if this is your first time ever answering a call, ever stepping forward to God, or if it's your 180th time. I got saved like every week when I was a Christian. Every week. Every sermon I heard, yep, that's for me, oh my God. He's talking to me. 
So whether it's your first time or your 400th, there's a maturity that's going to come right now. You're going to pray for yourselves. You know why? Because I'm not going to be in your house all the time. I'm not going to follow you around. And, and the truth is, you don't need me to because my prayers aren't any more special than yours. That's the beauty of it. When we're in these cults and, and these other religions, we have these things that these people are on this higher level and it's their prayers that make a difference and it's their prayers that make a change. Your prayers are the same as my prayers. Amen? As a matter of fact, just so you know, whenever I come up here to preach, I grab a couple people on the side and I say, pray for me, man. Pray me through this. Pray me through this. Because I know there's nothing in me that can do this on my own. I need God. And so we're going to bow our heads. The church is going to pray, but you guys are going to pray for yourselves. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, I need you. If you need to surrender something right now, even don't even wait for me to finish talking. Just start saying, God, I surrender this in my life. Just say, if there's things you need to ask God for forgiveness for, say, God, I need you to forgive this. If you've been far from God, you say, God, I, I've been far from you because I didn't trust you. I didn't believe you. I have doubts. If you have doubts, just pray those doubts to God right now. You know that God doesn't get offended by your doubt? God is bigger than you think he is. You can't hurt God with your doubt. With your disbelief. So just start to pray and say, God, I need you to, but let's start with the prayer of the criminal. Let's start with the criminal's prayer. Jesus, I know that I've done wrong and I know that I deserve the punishment for my sins. But Jesus, will you remember me today? Will you think about me today? Will you pray for me today? Jesus, will you intercede for me today? You who sit at the right hand of the Father, would you share my heart today? I want you to hear the words from the cross this morning. <laughs> Hopefully, none of us are going to pass this today, so it won't be today you'll be with me in paradise, but God is saying, today I've set your name in the book of life. <laughs> today you've wiped your slate clean with me. Today we start again. Today we have a new relationship. Today you're under the new covenant. Today you're under the forgiveness of my blood. Today you come under the covering of the lamb that came to clear the sins of the world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As the worship team just sings over you right now, just, just make, your, make your relationship with God. Take it to another level.